the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. Ron Geyer with more End Time Insights. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate that very much. I appreciate you guys very much. We're talking about the book of Revelation. We're talking about the seven churches. We are up to church number six today. That's the church at Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, although I would call it the church of opportunity. Jesus loved this church. It was a great church. And let me read you the first couple of verses. We started last week, Revelation chapter three, verses seven 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. We talked about verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David. Jesus revealed himself in three ways to the people at Philadelphia. He is holy, he is true, and he has the key of David, meaning he has control of Israel. He that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. Once Jesus opens the door, it's a door of opportunity. He expects us to walk through it. Verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and you have not denied my name. We're going to pick up from there today. The third verse in the Church of Philadelphia, verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come, and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. That's probably as far as we're going to get today. But there's some really good stuff today. I like this teaching today because it, it ties in a lot to the church in America today. You don't really see it, but as you study it out, you'll see that a lot of this is applicable for where we are in America today. Don't forget, we're living in the time of the great apostasy of the church. People are leaving the church. They are leaving their foundations of truth. They are being deceived. They are being sucked into a false God that the world is painting. And unless we read our Bibles, unless we know our God, we're going to fall for that. So the time of apostasy, it's very dangerous out there, which is why we warn you about all this stuff. Like Rick Renner says, we don't tell you this stuff to scare you. We tell this stuff to prepare you. So let's pick up on verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut that door. For you have a little strength, and has kept my word, and has not denied my name. Once again, I know thy works. The Greek word for works is oida, 
OIDA. Jesus is saying, I personally, I have firsthand knowledge about everything that's going on in your church, too. And we've seen that several times before. Why? Because Jesus is walking up and down the aisles. He's walking around the outside of the church. He is performing an outward observation and an inward examination of what is going on in the church at Philadelphia. He's performing an outward observation and an inward examination of what is going on in your church, in every church in America, in every church. It is his church. He is checking it out. He knows all about every church. Hallelujah. Behold is used four times in this particular letter and three times total in the letters to the other six churches. And that means we're basically attentive to this letter because behold means wow. When you see the word behold in it, just take it out and substitute wow. Behold what manner of love the Father's bestowed upon us. Wow. What manner of love that the Father's bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. The default position of people in the world today, we should be called the children of God. God created us to be his children. We are all children by creation, but not very many of us are children by relationship. And that's what we're working on today. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, behold, I've set before thee an open door. Another way of saying that would behold, I have given you an opportunity. You know, we get opportunities every day. We all do. The key is, will we slow down enough from our busy life to recognize the opportunities that God gives us? You know, when God sends us across uh, the path of someone that may not know him, I call that a gospel trinity. It's an opportunity to share the gospel with them, to let them know the love of Christ, to tell them the truth about their sin, to bring them back into fellowship with God through the sacrificial death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you think of Philadelphia, the church of Philadelphia, think about the church that had opportunity. Hallelujah. And Jesus says, Behold, I have set before thee an open door. And the word for door there, it's a strong word. The word Jesus uses for door, it references a very heavy type of oak, sturdy door that has locks. It's got deadbolts on it. Jesus is saying, I'm removing these blocks. I'm removing the locks, the blocking, the barricades, the hindrances that may have kept you in the past from going where I want to take you. That's the open door that he's saying. This door, it's a heavy door. It may have been shut before, but I am opening it now. I want you to walk through it. I want to send you someplace. I am throwing it wide open, and you will have passage into a new place, a new realm, a new sphere of influence. I will take you there. Several places in the New Testament, we see where open doors are referenced. Uh, Paul talks about an open door of opportunity that he would be effectual. He also said that these open doors, they included something, and those are opposition. They are adversaries. They are enemies. And I think that's one of the reasons why the church is pretty much hesitant to go through these open doors. We don't seem to be doing that in America much. And I think that's because of the erroneous teaching that we've had that when you have opposition, that means it's not God. Or when you have to suffer, that can't be God. Or suffering's only spiritual. Or when there is a testing going on, well, God doesn't test his people. All of those are false doctrines, and they will keep us from fulfilling the plan of God for our lives. We've got to understand that God wants us to face these testings. God wants us to deal with the persecution. God wants us to overcome. We've seen the word overcome. The seven churches sit with me on my throne. He that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. He that overcometh will I give a new name. I'm like a pillar in the house of my God. I mean, these are the promises, but you've got to be an overcomer in order to access these promises in the future. Hallelujah. So we see opportunity for this church and we see what erroneous teaching has done to us in America. We've got to blast through some of these open doors. We've got to go. If God opens the door, we've got to move through it. 
You know, we're a soft church today in America, and we saw that when we were shut down. And it's like Jesus has opened the door of opportunity in America. I mean, that door has been wide open for centuries now. Gospel preaching, favor of the gospel, the land of blessing. And yet, through a sleeping church, a disobedient church, a carnal church, a compromising church, we've kind of let those opportunities slip by now. We don't have the favor we once had, and we've become soft. And what do you mean, Ron, soft? Well, when the world tells you to uh, close your church and you close the church, that's soft. And we can't be doing that. Matter of fact, out of all the Christians that were going to church, I just read this the other day in a Pew survey, P-E-W, I guess they're national surveyors, and uh, this was taken at the end of March, so that's like three or four months ago. As of that date, back in the end of April, I guess, uh, the beginning of April, less than half the Christians have returned to church. Out of all the Christians that used to go to church, less than half of us are back in church. And that tells us something. We're still scared. We're still relying more on the fear of Satan than the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got to do something about that. So Jesus says here, the open door. The only way we're going to catch those open doors, we miss them if we're not single-visioned. In my life, what's an open door? This radio station is an open door. It fell into my lap, and I thank the Lord I was able to walk through it. And so open doors, they come to you every day. You just got to be sensitive. You got to be walking in the Spirit. Otherwise, you miss it. Only when we are single-visioned, walking in the Spirit, and available to God for service will we see the doors, let alone walk through them. The key is you don't break down the door. You don't pound it down or attempt to tear it down. That's when you're out of the will of God. If Jesus doesn't open it, you're not to go through it. It's that simple. Look how easily Satan shut us down. The numbers I just gave you, less than half of us are back in church. What do you think that does to the strength of the church? You know, what do you think that does to our witness? God is trying to do things with his church. And yet, because of the COVID shutdown. That's part of the apostate church, the apostate church that's rejecting truth. And apostasy, the apostasy that's coming on the earth, it's not just on the church. It's basically a general rejection of truth, of known truths, of established truths, such as homosexuality. It's truth. God made man and woman. Well, that truth is being challenged. It's truth. Marriage is between man and a woman for life. One man, one woman for life. These are Truth. These are norms. Only two sexes, male and female. All of these truths are being challenged. That is the evidence that the apostasy is here. The great danger is that these apostate doctrines are filling our churches and our pastors are not studying their Bibles and they're falling for ridiculous doctrines that God only allows us to suffer spiritually, not physically, that God's only sovereign in heaven, not on the earth. We got to challenge the stuff. We got to fix it. We got to correct it. And we've got to get back to the place of truth, to Bible truth in our churches and stand in the gap for those that don't know it and and oppose those that are going ahead and bringing these false doctrines into our church. They're destroying the church. And so we want to make sure that our eyes stay on the Bible. We must stay on the Bible. We're going to get to that in a minute. Jesus tells them in verse 8, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. Because you have a little strength. Now understand this. When he's talking to the church of Philadelphia, the church of Philadelphia, they were not weak. When he says little strength, the little doesn't define their strength. It defines the numbers. It was a small church, the smallest of all the churches, but they were a strong church. Jesus is not saying you're a weak church. He's saying you're a strong church, but you're small. But I can use that. So they were dwarfed in size by the amount of Jewish opposition that was coming at them in their home church at Philadelphia 
in their city. And yet Jesus is saying, don't worry about it. You've got a little strength. That's a positive statement. That's not a negative statement. The strength you have for your size is great. Compared to them, though, to the Jewish opposition, they seem small. But don't be misunderstood. They were not weak. They were not a soft church. And he continues on. I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut that door, for you have a little strength, and you have kept my word and has not denied my name. They go hand in hand, actually. When you keep God's word, you will not deny his name. Or if you deny his name, you won't be able to keep his word. But in order for you not to deny his name, you got to get in the word of God. you got to know the word of God. Dave Guzik says it like this. Have kept my word, have not denied my name. The church in Philadelphia was faithful to Jesus and his word. You're not faithful to one guy without being faithful to both. I'm sorry, that was me. Back to Guzik. The idea behind the phrase, have not denied my name, is not only that they expressed their allegiance verbally to Jesus, but they lived in a way that was faithful to the name and the character of Jesus. We need to do that. We talk a good game here in America, but we've got to do a better job of being witnesses for God, for being witnesses for Jesus. Barclay uh, says it like this, those who keep are kept. Isn't that neat? Those who will keep the word of God, God will keep them. We'll come across that in a minute. But we must keep the word. You know, are we keeping the word? It's a great question. Are you keeping the word of God that you're reading? Are you keeping the word of God that you're hearing in Sunday church? Are you checking it out to make sure it's Bible? Are you keeping, are you guarding it in your heart? You know, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We read the Bible, we put the word of God into us, it goes in our heart. We need to guard it. The Bible says Satan comes immediately to steal that word. We cannot allow that. We have got to put a guard over our heart. Yeah, I read my Bible every day. I was figuring out the other day, I've been born again since 1981. I don't know how many times I've missed reading my Bible, maybe a couple dozen, but we are faithful to read our Bible. And I don't say that to brag. I say that as a sign of my obedience. You know, Ron's on the radio, not because he's a great man. I'm probably on the radio because I read my Bible every day. It's just God says, I want someone that's going to read their Bible every day to speak for me. It's a very simple, understandable process. So we see how Jesus thought so highly of the church at Philadelphia. They did well. They obeyed. They kept the word. They've not denied his name. And so he kept them for the purpose of ushering them through that open door that we just read about. What is it? It was an open door of evangelism into eastern part of Asia. They were on assignment. Yet that assignment was being hindered by the Jews a common theme in Paul's day. Yet now he says, Jesus says, I'm going to go deal with that persecution. I'm going to deal with that hindrance because I want you to go through the open door. Verse nine, behold, what's that mean? Wow. I am going to make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved thee. This is a very serious statement by Jesus Christ. Number one, the the synagogue, the Jews in their synagogue. You did not put down their synagogue. If you put down their synagogue, you'd get us communicated. They killed Jesus for it. He said he was going to take down the synagogue. Remember, he wasn't talking about the building. He was talking about his temple, his own personal temple. But the Jews misunderstood it. And they thought he was talking about their temple. And so that's one of the reasons he was killed. Actually, the Bible says they killed him for envy. They were envious of the crowds he was drawing. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. If you told the Jews that there was something wrong with their synagogue, there was a price to pay. Jesus here is telling the Jews, you are not of the synagogue. You're not of the Jewish synagogue. You're of the synagogue of Satan. 
There could be no higher insult to a Jew. You're of the synagogue of Satan. And they knew it because he says here, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they were Jews and are not. They said they were Jews, but they knew they were not. They do lie. The fact that they lied meant that they said something that they knew was not true. They said they were Jews, but they were not. Therefore, they knew they were not Jews. Behold, I'm going to make them come and I'm going to make them worship before thy feet. He's not saying I'm going to make them worship at your feet. They're not going to worship you. They're going to worship me, but they're going to do it in front of you as a sign that I am Jesus, the God of the church. I am not only Jesus, the God of the church. I am Jesus, the Messiah of the Jew. Let's get this straight now. Jesus called those who were giving the Christians a hard time. He said they belong to the synagogue. All right. Yes, you're right. You belong to the synagogue. But it's the synagogue of Satan, not the synagogue of the Jews. He was just ridiculing them. He said they were members of the synagogue. It was of Satan himself. So the persecution that was coming upon the Philadelphian Christians was from Satan. Okay. He just had false Jews in attendance there. Now, they said they were Jews, but Jesus knew better. And what a warning to us in the church today. Many in the church say they are Christians, don't we? We go to church. We know the language. We know to act as a Christian. We sing the songs. We go to the Christian clubs, the coffee houses. We attend their classes. But just like these who called themselves Jews and were not, they were liars. So too are people in our churches today. Just like these who called themselves Jews, they were not and they were liars. Christians, so-called Christians are attending church, but they don't belong there. They were of their father, the devil, the father of all lies. And let me talk about this briefly because this came up in our Bible study. You know, we went out to church. Well, I call it church. It was church. We went out to breakfast with some friends yesterday. Hey, we'll make them famous. Uh, Barbara and Donnie and Cameron and Emma. We had a great time, my wife Diane and I. And we went out to breakfast and we were said, each of you, bring a scripture. Let's talk about the scripture while we're having breakfast. And it was really nice. And the scripture that I brought out was the one over in Matthew seven twenty one, where Jesus says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And this is just like the Jews. They said they were of the synagogue of the Jews. They said they were Jews. They belonged to the Jewish church, as it were. Jesus said they're lying. That's not true. Well, Jesus says to hear about the church. Not everyone that says to be Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, down here, we don't really make a distinction, or maybe we do. We talk about Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. And I've always said, well, you know, you, you meet Jesus at the foot of the cross and he becomes your Savior, amen? But it's not until you get on the cross that he becomes your Lord. And so we do make a distinction, I guess, between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. And yet, according to what Jesus says, he says, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so it looks like Jesus does not make a distinction. Basically, Jesus is saying, if I am your Savior, then I will be your Lord. But if I am not your Lord, then neither am I your Savior. Did you get that? Jesus is saying, if I am not your Lord, then I am not your Savior. So if you have not allowed Jesus to have Lordship in your life, then you never made him your Savior. It's an interesting twist on words, but Jesus doesn't separate being your Savior from being your Lord. You know, God doesn't fool around where Jesus is concerned. He is either both Savior and Lord, or he is neither. You must understand that. Very important. Jesus Christ, he is either both Savior and Lord, or he is neither Savior nor Lord. It's very important. Very important. 
And we have the same scenario taking place today in the church that the Jews had, where they were misled, they were deceived, they were thinking they were Jews and they weren't. What does Jesus say about that? Jesus says, behold, I'm going to make them who, those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who thought they were Jews, I'm going to make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. No, he's not going to make them worship the Jews. That's not what he's saying. They will bow before them in worship, but they will be worshiping God at the foot of the Jews. Just a sign of utter humiliation to those that are persecuting them. You know, Jesus isn't fooling around here. They were persecuting his church, and so he's going to deal with them. And number one, he ridiculed their synagogue, that they didn't belong to the Jewish synagogue. They belonged to the synagogue of Satan. And then next, he's going to have them bow at the feet of the Jews when they worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. They will bow. They will worship Jesus at the feet of the saints. And it's the same thing that he says is going to happen to the people who were persecuting Israel back in the day. I've got some scriptures here. Isaiah 60, uh, verse 14. The sons also of them that afflicted thee, I think he might be talking about the Assyrians here when they came and they persecuted the Jews. The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee, and all they that despised you, Israel, shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet, and they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. They will acknowledge that the God of Israel is Jesus, Holy One. Remember, we saw that he revealed himself as the Holy One. God's really wagging on these people. He's zinging them left and right. Didn't Jesus identify himself as he who is holy in verse 7? Well, in Isaiah, they will acknowledge that the God of the Jew, Jesus, hallelujah, is the Jew of Israel, is the Messiah for the Jew. So important. Worship here means to kiss, like a dog licking his master's hand. But Jesus says they're going to worship before the feet of the Jew. Do you think that's a hard statement? Think again, Isaiah forty-nine twenty-three. They, the persecutors of the Jew, shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. If you're waiting for Jesus Christ, you're not going to be ashamed. The Jews that were waiting for their Messiah, even though they missed him, Jesus, God says that, hey, I'm going to bring your persecutors. They're going to lick the dust of your feet. That's how low they are when they acknowledge that Jehovah, the God of Israel, is the only true God. Hallelujah. God will rebuke both the persecutor of the Jewish people and uh, he will rebuke those who persecuted his church. Romans ten nineteen. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. The world is heading towards tribulation. The world is heading towards final judgment. It's heading towards the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God, even the wrath of Satan. It's all coming upon them during the tribulation period, and they've got to do something about it. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why I'm here on the radio, A, to strengthen the church, to strengthen the faith of the church, and to give an opportunity for those of you that listen that may not know who Jesus Christ is to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. The true gospel is man is a sinner. When Adam sinned, man's relationship with God was broken. The only way that that relationship could be brought back was through a sinless man walking the earth and being killed unjustly. 
That sinless man was Jesus Christ. He was God in a body. He died for our sin that Adam committed, that you committed. He went to hell to pay the penalty for those sins. He was raised again on the third day. He sits at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. You do not have to pay the penalty for your sins. Jesus Christ has already done that. If you will acknowledge that, if you will accept the fact that he has taken your place, if you will understand that you are a sinner, that you need to repent, that you need to forgiveness that Christ got for you. If you'll acknowledge all that, ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you, ask him to send his Holy Spirit to come in and live inside you. You too can be a born again Christian. You too can have the life of God, the life of the Holy Spirit of God living right inside you, the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus did his work when he died for our sins, when he was risen from the dead. His job is done. All he does is pray for us in heaven right now. But he said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send God the Spirit to live inside you. And that's what makes me talk to you. That's what gives me the unction to speak with you. That's what places his love for you inside of me, that I can love God for you. No, that I can love you for God. That's our God. That's what he's done. That's what he does. That's what he'll do for you, too. You don't have to walk around in fear. You don't have to walk about in this earth scared of sickness, scared of your future, scared of what may happen. You don't have to abide in the shadow of fear. You can abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus Christ has purchased your freedom. He has purchased your peace. He has purchased everlasting life for you. It's free. All you have to do is repent of your sins and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I'm Ron Guy. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.